walked over here from the library to be anyone who chose to come. It was kind of amazing. Just walking over there, I thought maybe I'll go down to the beach, but I didn't. So glad you're here. Uh, some of you have been reading some of the things that I've been doing over the years on intergenerational uh, ministry, and this is continuing. I uh, have some new things to tell you about. Uh, last year, I, when I was here, I talked about a brand new conference. It was called Intergenerate. Well, we'll have the second one next year, not this summer, so we're going every other year. It'll be the second national conference on intergenerational Christian formation. It'll be held next summer at Lipscomb University on May the 20th through the 22nd. And uh, we've been doing a summer conference, and we moved it to May because we kept hearing it's so hard to get people in June. So we're going to try May. School's out, and so we have the dorms and we have the classrooms. So we're going to try that. It was very well attended. We had people from five or six countries, from 25 states, from 14 different denominations, and ages 24 to 78 came, which was wonderful. So it was a delightful uh, conference, and it'll be happening again next summer, intergenerate. And uh, we also have a, a conference this summer called the Children's Spirituality Summit. It's the same idea. We bring together academics and practitioners and say, what are we finding and what does this look like in our churches? So bringing those together is a really good way to do it. And this is a children's conference. That doesn't look very nice, does it? I should turn the lights down. Um, so what I really like about it are the other one. Oh, dear. There we go. Now you can see better. I just can't. Okay, um, what I really like about this is that we have brought a lot of professors together, a lot of people who really study um, issues around children's spirituality. And we brought them in and we bring in a lot of children's ministers and others who work with children. We bring them together and we really talk about what does this look like. And of course, we're looking at spirituality, not just uh, biblical knowledge, not just Sunday school stuff, but how do we form them into Christ? And we're adding another, another component, spiritual formation across the context, families, churches, and communities. We've often focused on families and churches, and we still will. But the third, we're adding in all the teachers and all the people who work in secular settings. They're Christians, but they work in secular settings, and they say, we want to nurture our children spiritually, but we can't really talk about Jesus. So what does that look like? How can that be done? And it can be done. So we will <laughs> be sharing quite a bit this year about that, as well as the other two contexts. That's coming up in a couple months. So pass that on. We have some flyers uh, on that. I about the Children's Spirituality Conference. Any of you who have worked with children know Scotty May. She's one of our speakers this year. She's well known in those circles. I want to let you know about that. While he's passing those out, I want to tell you about the book that came from the last conference on intergenerational ministry. It's called Intergenerate, and uh, that was the name of the conference. And this book will be released in a couple of months. Uh, ACU Press has it, and um, it will be out in a couple of months, and you can get it right now. You can pre-order on... Amazon or through ACU Press. It is a compilation. It is an edited book. So the best Pecha presentations and the best papers and the best workshops and the best main speakers, those kind of things. 26 different authors uh, from well different Christian traditions, uh, men and women, millennials, Xers, and boomers writing in it, men and women. So uh, broad. Uh, spectrum from Australia, Canada, um, United Kingdom, one more, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, there we go, okay. So four countries, a lot of different states. Um, answer some of the why questions. Why should we bring the generations together? 
And that's the first part. The next four parts are more on how. How do, how do leaders lead that way? How, um, what kind of research is out now showing this is a good idea? And then lots of ideas on uh, what churches are doing around the world to bring the generations together. So that'll be out very soon. I'm excited to share that with you. Today we're going to talk about three ideas that came from this conference or that, that I became more acquainted with at this conference. One is called the Visual Faith Project. You can hand out their handouts right now if you'd like to. Um, the Visual Faith Project, I'll share a little bit of that. One of the chapters in the book is about that. Another is group spiritual direction. I have known about group spiritual direction. I just hadn't thought of it in terms of doing it across the generations. And then entering the word intergenerationally. Um, a lot of us understand that you certainly can worship together. There are a lot of things that work together very well if you bring all the generations together. But studying scripture doesn't, intuitively we think, oh, that's not going to work. That's just not going to work. So I want to share a couple of ideas ways we can enter the word together across the generations. We'll talk a little bit about common challenges. How many of you have, have really in your churches become a little more intentional about bringing the generations together? How many of you doing it? Okay. This half the room, not so much this half. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about some of the challenges you face. And I'll ask that question. What are some of the barriers or hindrances or challenges you're facing in your churches as you're trying to become a little bit more intentionally intergenerational? And we're going to talk about some key intergenerational principles. If you want to have a sneak peek, look at the back side of your paper that just got handed out. Those are nine principles, and we'll be reading through those at various points today, and I'll be having you share something from that. So turn back to the other side, and I'll, I'll signal to you, and we're going to do some interactive stuff with those principles in just a little bit. Um, so we're going to start out talking about a definition for intergenerational ministry. It's come, it comes from this book, first book that I wrote on this, Intergenerational Christian Formation, and here is the definition that I like to use. Intergenerational ministry occurs when a congregation intentionally combines the generations together in, a, in mutual serving, sharing, or learning within the core activities of the church in order to live out being the body of Christ to each other in the greater community. So, I'm going to let you take that in. from our first uh, book on inter intergenerational Christian formation. You can pass out those little cards if you want. I have a little, um, what do you call those little cards? Call them cards or whatever with my yes, book on there. If anybody wants that, you can pass those down. Uh, I just have about 10 of these. To, if, you, if you want one, take it and pass, pass Make it sure on. this guy on the end gets one. That's been out since 2012. University Press carries that. And it's from our book together, Christine Ross and I. And so we, we created that definition. 
There are three words I want you to keep in mind as we talk through some ideas today. And they aren't actually all in this definition, but I really like them. Uh, as we put together this new book, these words showed up over and over. Mutuality, which someone mentioned. Reciprocity. Quality. A few years ago, we were part, about 20 years ago, we were part of a church that was very intentionally intergenerational. And we met in, on Sunday evenings in intergenerational groups. Our children were young at that time. Bethany, our youngest, was uh, we were there with that church for four years. So she was seven when we started worshiping with that church, and she was 11 when we left. A few years ago, eight years ago, we were in Nashville visiting, and I was doing a workshop with some uh, elders in the church there, and they um, asked Bethany, Bethany, how did you visit? And they asked her. She was 25 or something at the time. Do you remember this as a child? You had intergenerational small groups. What was it like for you as a child? And this is what she said. I had her write it up later. Well, it was, this is the intergenerational small group that, group that we met in for those four years. Well, it was so natural. Sitting with everyone in our intergenerational small group, I felt like I belonged. Like we all belonged there. Age wasn't a factor. We'd all sing songs and pray and do a fun icebreaker, and I participated on every level. Sometimes the group leader would ask me to choose a song or would ask me a particular question, like maybe how I felt about a certain verse or a story in the Bible, and everyone listened to my response. I felt important, like what I had to say mattered. I remember so many of the adults in the small group. They were my friends, not just my parents' friends. I remember listening to them talk about what was going on in their lives or what new insights they recently had about God. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And this is what she remembered at 25. So here's some of this. The mutuality, reciprocity, equality. It was lovely to hear her give such sweet testimony to what was happening inside her. I didn't have these words at that time, but uh, this came out of Australia. They have a definition that they're working with there. And those three words are important in that context. So that's been helpful to me. talk about the first um, first thing on your list. I've got uh, on your handout, we're going to talk about three different ways of, of bringing generations together intentionally. This is the Visual Faith Project. I had never heard of it until uh, this past summer, a year ago, uh, when the Intergenerate Conference happened. This is Nancy Going. She works with Vibrant Faith, which is an organization out of Canada, I believe. And they have created something you can get online and read about and order their she raises is it's very hard to gather people of all ages around and talk about life and talk about scripture. You've got three things going on. You've got all 
says the way to bring them together is through images, through images. The images, pictures speak to all of us. They speak to all of us. So I'm going to show you some pictures. Look on your handout. Their premise is um, to read a scripture and I lay out some pictures and ask questions. The scripture we're going to read is Here are the pictures um, that you see. you, turn around to you too, find someone to share with, <coughs> twos or possibly threes if you need to, and I'd like for you to share um, a picture that reminds you of a time when you were weary, or <coughs> connects perhaps to your heavy burdens, or the rest that God promises us, <coughs> one of these photos, each photo, and then whatever else you'd like. Um, twos and threes. I think everybody can hear that to somebody. Talk through that for about a minute.
Okay, we had a couple of groups in here who were a little bit cross-generational. Here's one, we got probably three generations there. Um, maybe, about three. This was maybe the same time. Um, some different generations here. I want you to think of this, what if you're doing Someone from these first two rows. Which one do you think connects most with what we just did? Okay, number three, read that for us. I think the generation of Christian experiences promote community, so the generation of differences can be transcended rather than reinforced. So the generation of understanding is positive, but the generation of relationships can be experienced. That's a happy group. Four, five, and six. Who has one you think really connects with what we just did? I like six because of the intentional and the shared stories, and you have to intentionally intentionally create ways to share stories. Read that for us, because they were concentrating on one, two, and three, so they didn't get to read four, five, six. Intergenerational Christian experiences have a positive effect on both the older and young population. 
done it all to weep together, to share stories, to create something together, or merely to talk, which can be mutually beneficial and bless the whole body of Christ. Thank you. Wonderful. Seven, eight, nine. Do you see one that's free to connect? It won't be here to share. Well, I think some of us agree that it would be that we can have an eight generation. Intergenerational Christian experiences foster a climate that includes valuing, nurturing, and employing the gifts that are specifically meant for old. I think less of the employing the gifts, but valuing and nurturing. Valuing and nurturing. Mm -hmm. I think would be. Now this is, these are from um, one of the chapters in Intergenerate by John Roberto. He actually has 17 principles which are overwhelming, but I picked these nine. And I did not plan this activity to connect with these in particular. I just thought it probably would, and you kind of helped me. So thank you for sharing that. All right, I want to move on then to another uh, practice that I think could be done and has been done intergenerationally, but I, I had not paid attention to that aspect of it. I don't know if you know about group spiritual direction. How many of you are generally familiar with spiritual direction? You know what I'm talking about. A few of you. Spiritual direction is a Catholic practice that has gone, gone on for hundreds of years and it's only now making its way into Protestant circles in the last, what, 50 years? Anybody know? 50 years, 30 years? Something like that. It's usually been an individual process where um, a person will go to their spiritual director who will help them see what God is doing. Here's a good definition. Uh, spiritual direction is one-on-one, -on -one, but we're going to talk about group spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is the practice of being with a person as they attempt to deepen their relationship with God and to learn and to grow in their spirituality. The director uh, asks questions and listens, and the directee shares what's been going on in their life and they reflect on it together. So it's a way of going deeper and going further up deeper in. Um, but it's been a one-on-one -on -one practice. In recent years, there's been something called group spiritual direction, and I've been a part of some spiritual direction you know, groups, but I hadn't thought of it intergenerationally. Although the very first one that I joined up with um, was in the mid-2000s. There was a 20-something young woman, a 30-something young woman, a woman who was just turning 40, and then the, our leader, who was uh, 45 or so, and I was the oldest person <coughs> in my mid-50s at the time, early 50s, I can't remember. But uh, we had five different people in five different ages. The 20-something, um, about 25, she just finished her master's and she was fully employed at the school I was at at the time, John Brown. She was dealing with professional issues. She felt too young. She looked like a, a college student. Um, so she was trying to manage her new career, um, had been married a few years at that time. But one of the things that we dealt with that whole year, we met for a year every, every week, and um, she had been day raped in high school. And so she had ongoing issues related to that, healing, forgiveness, acceptance, and how it affected her marriage where God was in all this. So during the year when she would uh, share her story, we would help her work through what she was dealing with. We would ask her questions like, how is God using this now? How is God healing you? Uh, I should go back and uh, give you a definition then of group spiritual direction. Group spiritual direction is a process in which people gather together on a regular basis to assist one another in an ongoing awareness of God in their lives. They're seeking support for their responsiveness to God they agree to support others in that same responsiveness. Three conditions are essential to the life of the group. Members must agree to commit themselves to an honest relationship with God, to participate wholeheartedly in the group process through prayerful listening and response, and to open their spiritual journeys for consideration by others. 
So you're essentially kind of doing what you do a one-on-one, only it's a group that's listening and listening to you while they're listening to God. Um, I want to tell you a little more about this group. So we had the um, mid-30-something. She'd been married 10 years. She had a five-year-old daughter, I believe. She, lo- uh, she had loved her professional job, but had taken out a few years now to stay at home. She had ongoing issues about house cleaning. She was finding parenting very draining. She was kind of overwhelmed all the time. And she kept saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm kind of lost here. Why, what am I not understanding? And over a period of a year, we asked questions like, this seems to be a continuing problem. What are you hearing? What is God doing? What is God teaching? We didn't tell her. We asked. And over this year, this is what happened. It was a slow realization. This is her, her words. I think I need to grow up. You're wondering, how in the world would you do this in a congregation? This was a group of professors and staff at at a university. Well, I have something fabulous to tell you about. This just is beginning in the last, what, month, two? He's put this together. This is Lance Belay's friend, uh, Jack Hodges. John. John Hodges from uh, Glenwood. Glenwood Church of Christ. This is Lance Belay. He has just finished his D-Men. He defended it a few weeks ago. And his whole project was, how do we do 
through group spiritual direction, direction in churches. He's saying, this is how it can be done. And he put together a group of four men and four women. They were ages 36 to 64. And most of the group spiritual direction groups that I know of are usually men or women. But he did it together, which is very unusual. Worked very well, he said. Um, and he is now launching a way to teach congregations how to do this. Leonard has some uh, brochures. Uh, these are professionally done for brochures out of the Institute for Christian Spirituality at Lipscomb, which is kind of sponsoring him. And he will come and help your church uh, begin group spiritual direction. He did one of these groups in his uh, congregation and has started another one or is continuing that one. I don't remember. He's about to start another one. About to start another one. Um, but training, how can we do this cross-generationally, uh, perhaps with men and women, or men or women, um, and bless one another and grow each other up? I love this uh, commentary here. It says, group spiritual direction provides a unique opportunity in the life of, church, of the church or community of believers. It is different from just your mere typical conversations, such as superficial, but necessary, hi, how are you, encounters, or those that go a bit deeper but still require our best dress presentations. It's also different from our conversations in groups that revolve around meeting needs, like babysitting for those who are tired or mission work for those who are needy. It is different from teaching Bible studies. It's different from adult education classes. It's different from seminars. It's different from workshops. And this is a quote from one of his favorite spiritual direction writers. All of these things are very good things to do, but they do not provide the unique opportunity given in spiritual direction. The opportunity to be heard, to have someone listen to us as we describe the milestones, detours, and questions of our own spiritual journeys. We're helping to grow each other up in to Christ, which is we're, we're called to, to reflect his image, and we're not doing a very good job of trying to do it alone. Uh, we are called into community, and this is one of the best ways I know to grow each other up. I've been delighted to know that he is doing this. It's just now launching. Those of you who are in leadership in your churches, um, those brochures should be helpful. Uh, years ago, I started some sm small groups, spiritual direction groups, with my students, my graduating seniors. And I would collect them. We were usually just four or five. And we would meet every week for a semester, the last semester. It was, it was not exactly cross-generational. They were all 21, and I was not. But it was still a blessed uh, time together. And this, these are the directions of the guidelines that I followed. This is the process. Uh, first of all, what I would always do when they walked in, we would chat a little bit about what, what's going on and that kind of thing. But I would always light a candle. And it represented our Christ's presence with us. He's always here. Someone need to confess the quickening of spirit in here. Yes, I believe so. Thank you. 
tell you that for me. I appreciate your attention. I need to sit and take a while. So I usually would have an empty chair. We'll pretend that this is the chair over here. I would keep an empty chair in the sense that Christ is in here. But this lit candle is a little longer and the light is warmer. It's just a wonderful visceral reminder that Christ is here. That's what I would do first. And after we'd had our little chat, then we would have three minutes of silence. This is the list. I think, do I have this list on there? I don't know. Do I have it listed on there? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I do it Silence first. Uh, so we would have three minutes for people to gather their hearts into a common desire for God uh, to dedicate this hour uh, away from your other things. Uh, I usually read a psalm, and when I had a prayer, uh, just asking God's presence with us and calming our spirits. That's the silence. Then we had sharing by one person, and they always knew who they were. It wasn't like surprise. Uh, they knew that they were going to be sharing for 10 or 15 minutes. They would talk about any area in her or his life in which uh, they longed to hear from God or the ways in which uh, this person is sensing God's work in his life or his life. Or, it, thank you. Um, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. It could be like whatever you're facing at work uh, or tests that are due or whatever, believing that God is involved in all areas of our life. While the individual is sharing, each person in the group is prayerfully listening. We're listening to this person and we're listening to God. We're listening to God. Very attentive. After the person is finished, 10 or 15 minutes, then again we have two or three minutes of silence, just making space. Those that are, of us who are listening, listening to if God is sharing something with us to ask, um, making space. And after that, two or three minutes, we have 10 or 15 minutes of response. This is the period when those questions that I shared with you could be asked. questions or comments. The facilitator might need to encourage the trust of God's caring love for the presenter. Uh, it's been really a hard thing just to come around and pray for that person. God's been with you. He has cared for you this week. He's been very present with you in this difficult place. Uh, trust is honored when the individual share things that are private. The hardest thing is to not offer advice. Two rules. Don't offer advice. You know, you really should just grow up and start thinking it out. That's what I wanted to say. That's terrible. And I didn't say it. The point I wanted to call up to the one lady in the group who was just having a hard time. Uh, but I didn't say it. I wanted to listen to what God was doing to me. She needed to listen to what God was doing. No advice and no anecdotal story. <gasps> that happened to me too. It's so easy. I know just what you're talking about. This is their story, their turn. You listen and you reflect. Here's some good questions. Uh, where do you see God at work in what you just what you just shared? Where do you see God? Where was God? Does this connect in what you shared last time? And usually it's a month apart if you've got four people sharing all three. So last time you were sharing about XYZ. Can you 
you too. Here, you're here. Let's just put this together. I got it. And I have 10 answers for every question you can write. So it's very hard for me not to offer advice, not to cancel advice. It's very important for me to learn and let them do that. So that's the response time. You ask questions um, and you listen again. And then toward the end, um, then you, you have just a, a prayer together. Uh, sometimes we pray for each other. Sometimes the facilitator would pray over everyone. Sometimes everyone would pray over the person who shared. And you just ask however you wish. It's been a very blessed experience to be part of several uh, spiritual direction groups over the years. Um, most all of them, as I think back now, were somewhat cross-generational. I've never had children in them. Uh, we have somebody speaking at the Children's Spirituality Conference on spiritual direction with children. So I'm excited to hear, see what they're doing. Sounds lovely. Um, this is a, a quote from um, one of the men in the group that Lance led. This is one of the, from, I believe, a recent elder. My experience with Lance's training in spiritual direction was nothing less than transformational. This eight-week experience opened my spiritual senses in ways that I had not experienced before. We learned about soul care techniques for listening and sharing. We learned the value of silence in order to better hear God's spirit. We learned ways for meditating on scripture to invite the Holy Spirit's presence and guidance. And after each session, I found my soul refreshed and closer to God and to the new Powerful. All right, turn your sheet over. And if you were to do several spiritual direction groups in your church, which of only of you guys, four, five, and six, this week I had four, five, and six, you guys have one, two, and three. Oh, wait, does that leave you? What you had? No. I mean, yeah, four, five, and six, one, two, and three, seven, eight, nine. Okay, good. Pick one you think might reflect what we just talked about. Okay. Um, Agreed that. Yeah. Intergenerational Christian experience. 
environment of warmth, trust, emotional safety, acceptance, and care, conducive to promoting faith sharing, group participation, mutual support, and care for one another in the congregation and in the community. It sounds like it was made for it. Designed for that, yeah. right? Or this was designed for that. Very good. 789, did you find one? Maybe, maybe none of these did. I don't know. to um, move on into the last little bits here of um, how churches can enter the word intergenerationally. How many of you have tried to ever do a cross-generational, I mean like children all the way through Bible study class, like a Sunday morning class? You've tried it? Uh, um, it was our life group, but it was very intentionally all generations. But you knew everyone was going to be there and you really planned for that? Yes. that had like 60 or 70 people on Wednesday night we had about an eight week study together everybody sat in one big circle everybody and there were the littlest ones just played in the middle but from second and third grade they were sitting and the teacher had a worldly work he did he did I think the Lord's prayer and he worked through it and he asked questions of the children and the adults and it was the kids loved it I mean they were like five years just sitting there in the new adults class it was fabulous to see them live into that see that their answers were valued by everyone else. It was a memorable experience. First time I'd actually done anything like that. 
Well, this is something called Dwelling in the Word, and I talked about it a little bit last year, and I won't spend long on it, but I wanted to share this one and one more with you. Uh, dwelling in the Word uh, in Intergenerational Groups. Um, this is, oops, and that, next I'm going to do imaginative reading. This is Wilson McCoy. He's speaking at the conference uh, this year at, here at uh, Pepperdine, but he's talking about young adults ministry, so I don't think he's talking about this. He did his Demon Project uh, using Dwelling in the Word, which is a particular way of reading scripture together. And it's a little bit like Lectio Divina, but it's designed for group reading, group time together, and for um, the mutuality that, that you would need for that. Here are the steps. He had two groups. Uh, one had 12 in it, uh, 11 years old to 83. And he had 14 in the other group, and they were 10 years old to 76. He had some of every generation in there. Uh, one met on Sunday night, one met on Wednesday nights, and this is the process that they followed. They would read a passage, so let's see. Um, pray for the Spirit to guide the reading of the Word. Read the passage twice and consider the following questions. What captures your imagination? What question would you like to ask a Bible scholar or expert based on this passage? What do you think God wants us to do this week based on what we have heard tonight or today? Um, then there was a time of silent reflection to reflect on the questions. Then they were divided up into pairs. And they couldn't use someone, they couldn't be a pair with anyone they'd ever been a pair with. There were only 12 people. So you ended up, I mean, the 11 year old was with the 83 year old at one point. You're pretty much with everybody at some point. So you, you picked someone to be a pair with. And. Um, Listen to each other in free speech. That's to listen to this person as if what they're saying is the most important thing. It's developing a posture of open, non-judgmental listening where one believes God might speak through the person. And you actually process these questions with your partner. So think the 11-year-old and the 83-year-old. After a time of sharing, then everybody would come back together as a group and report what you heard your partner say. He said this was the hardest thing. Because this 11-year-old reporting on the 83-year-old or the 44-year-old is reporting on the 29-year-old. And the 29-year-old's going, oh, that's not really what I said. And so sometimes, you know, they got it a little bit wrong. But you had to pay attention and report what your partner had said in response to these questions. And then, uh, after everyone had shared, we would talk as a group and wrestle with what God might be up to among us based upon what we've heard from each other. Fabulous. Fascinating. Amazing. He did his whole demon project on this. this met, they met for eight weeks. He had a week of orientation, a week of processing at the end. He had some debriefing interviews with people, and they also filled out a form saying, how was this for you? What do you think about it? Um, how has God uh, shaped, how has this shaped your faith? Who impacted your faith the most among your group members? Uh, how would this have been different if all the generations had been present? You know, how, how, what made this unique about having the generations present? What did this do? He had wonderful quotes, and I want to end with this one. What kind of church would be formed if everyone got to experience what we have experienced? And here's an older man, a 72-year-old man. <coughs> it would be a church that was stronger, more devoted, and a caring church. As we were discussing this, I got to think about Paul's statement about neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Now we would have to add young or old because this has enhanced our experience with God. Mutuality, reciprocity, equality. 
14-year-olds in the church. There's probably only one or two teenagers in the group. They, their voice would count, just like the 60-year-olds. I'm going to skip the next one. We don't have time. I would love to do it. If you don't know what imaginative reading is, it's, it's usually called imaginative prayer, but it's when you read a passage and you put yourself in it. And so you listen yourself into it and talk to Jesus while you're in that story. It's a lovely thing to do. Google it. You can find out. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, but I did promise that we would talk about hindrances and barriers and challenges. Um, one of the persons who writes a lot about intergenerational ministry says, that introducing people to intergenerational ministry through specific events is easy. But building a permanent culture of intergenerational cooperation is not. So, here we are. What are some of the hindrances, barriers, and challenges you have experienced or envisioned? You know, what problems might happen or what did happen? So, let me try some things. What are some of yours? <coughs> what do you think might some barriers?
other reasons. I just want you to have and bring them together. You're not going to get everybody. Yeah, fear is just an unknown. Of, again, that's not, the what, that's not what we've always done. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've also had teens who just say, they just don't understand me today and everything I go through. And so they don't even put the effort forward to try to explain to the older generation what I got to I get it. This is not a this is not a hindrance. This is a question. Okay. Uh, I just realized I just turned the thing. So um, our churches, if we err on the spectrum of either being complex or simple, we're complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so to add another mm-hmm. program, another gathering, mm-hmm. when we can barely get our people to commit yep. to think of the rhythms that are already built in. Mm-hmm. Uh, been being very their congregation has been intentionally intergenerational for six or seven years and um, his the title of his chapter is sustaining intergenerational something for the long haul I think we renamed it in it for the long haul and he just says if you start start down this path find a term 
He calls it intergenerational, some call it cross-generational, some call it cross-age. Tell all the good stories of what's been happening and how well it's been going. Uh, explain and discuss. Talk about why you're doing it, why you're doing it. And then when you hit snags, stay the course. Stay the course. This is who we are. If someone's very, very unhappy, there are lots of other churches that do everything by age. There would be a place to go. But if you want to be this fully, then you have to stay the course and not let people uh, push, push, push you down on whatever. He really, um, he has done a beautiful job. His is probably one of the best chapters. I just love uh, what he has done in that chapter. And this is a closing quote from an earlier book. We believe that the Spirit of God is at work formatively through the community's worship, through the teaching, through modeling and mentoring relationships with these spiritually empowered and gifted roles in special and unique, unique ways when believers across the lifespan are present and participating together. We have to be together all the time. When we're together with all the ages, unique and special and wonderful things happen. So I want to encourage you to be the light. Thank you. It's been very enjoyable to have